Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this very special interlude episode of The Fate of Ison. So far in book two, DM Jules has kept us hungry little story goblins in the dark about the larger forces at play in Ison, and has only revealed tantalizing tidbits of mystery as the tale unfolds and our heroes continue on their path. Until now, for DM Jules has said, let there be light. In this episode, we step away from our charmingly quirky heroes as Jules takes us on a cinematic journey around Ison, giving us a sneak peek at some of the world's innermost workings. What is really happening here? Who is pulling the strings? Maybe we'll find out now in the Fate of Ison Book 2 interlude, The Unknown. We begin in the dark, how all things start, with a gradual awareness of being and needing to understand more than simply existing. Stretching out our senses in the dark, there are voices, and we open our eyes. In front of us we see four unlikely friends, practicing for an upcoming play, all humanoid, but in varying degrees of age, confidence, skill in acting, and nerves. Ah, yes, we recognize these as our heroes, the sidebars. They came here from Lakeside, and with that name in our minds, the scene begins to turn. We now see the map board outside Lakeside Hospital, loudly proclaiming, you are here and we turn to the door. Whizzing through the door, through patients and nurses, we sink through the floor and arrive in a brightly lit corridor of patients, viewing as if upside down. Sinking still and twisting, we move again, trying to keep the scene in focus and arrive on a floor with doors labeled A to Z, and we see nurses coming and going as they walk on an hour sideways floor. Still twisting and sinking, we dive deep into the darkness and arrive in time to see a lantern held by a nurse walking on the floor above our heads. We look up to watch as the nurse pushes a stone to reveal a swinging wall and steps inside. We follow and see the stone pillar she walks into. There are symbols surrounding it, proclaiming it to be the heart of Earth. Ah, we remember suddenly, this is not the heart. The heart is missing. The heart is broken. The heart has been forgotten. And with that word ringing loudly in our ears, we close our eyes and fade to black. Forgotten. 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 Echoing over and over with many voices until we hear a familiar voice now calling out. In the name of the forgotten, we will never remember you. And the song plays. The song that was given. The song that remains. Our eyes open, trying to remember. And we see when. A stocky tabaxi with grey tabby markings walking in front of us, talking to a, a hairless, wrinkled figure with large ears. We see them speak softly. 
I know I did not recover the item that I was sent for, but these four, I feel, have many questions regarding what has been forgotten and why. Perhaps they too could be called to serve. The wrinkled face turns and we see a tabaxi teeth slide out in the hiss of response. Not only have you failed, but you drew attention to our honoured duties. We are to go unnoticed, unremembered, to do our best to ensure all is kept forgotten. Have you forgotten your vows? A shame, Wen stopped and looked to the ground. No, I have not forgotten. Forgive me, Master Oporo. Master looked at Wen. I forgive you. This is why we sing. Go, child, and forget. I will speak to these heroes and see if they wish to join. Perhaps they will be useful to the cause. Tamata ki wariwari. E koro e wariwari. Do not forget, Master Oporo. And we move forward towards Wen as Wen opens a door and singing pours out loudly joyously, almost enough to cover the master's soft reply. Thus is my burden, child, to ever remember, to never speak the truth. (sighs) Until the time comes. He looks longingly towards the door as it swings shut, blocking him from view. As the sound swells around us, Louder, louder now, too loud. It hurts as we feel our whole body shaking. Pulling away from the noise, we see a large rock vibrating and figures playing on a stage. We stagger away from the noise and into a girl wearing badges on her jacket. Ah, we recognize the sign of one of the badges she wears. Caves? And we look into the dazed and euphoric expression of destiny. The music comes to a crashing crescendo. Thank you! Is proclaimed several times to a rapturous applause. Destiny shakes herself as out of a stupor and quickly with urgency begins to move towards the side of the stage, fighting against the crush of fans as they press forward. She presses something into her ears as the roar of the crowd erupts and the stage lights up for one last song. Frantically, she waves her hands and pulls energy up from the earth through herself and around her head and she squints desperately at us. No, at the crowd behind us. They've gone silent and still. They stare at the stage as Tammy Berg sings a song that we cannot hear. And she finishes, slumping to the ground as if the very life has been sucked from her. The crowd turns as one and leaves to go. And we watch. Destiny hides in the shadows as she stares at the stage with a long, hard look on her face. She pulls her badge off her jacket 
looks at it one last time and a fury overtakes her and she throws it to the ground. Her anger hits us like a wave, knocking us from our feet. We hit the hard stone and we reach up for a table and look over this table that wasn't there before into the hard eyes of a different woman with the same look of fury but blonde hair white robes flowing and she spits into our face as she says Arkvale cannot be trusted the only reason they've been quiet for a thousand years is because we made it so she points towards a young girl with a frustrated and uncomfortable look on her face dwarfed by her large backed chair which proclaims Arkvale in large letters And she looks above her huge puffy shoulders of her pink dress, keeping her mouth tightly closed. When a dwarf on a chair nearby wielding an axe and a fiercely red beard leaps up and says, The speaker of Airedale says true. Bruss agrees. We vote to keep the treaty intact. A man behind an impressive moustache sighs. We can't keep the treaty intact as it is. Either way, it needs rewriting because it will expire in 30 days and we need to honour that part at least. Ah, we've seen that face before. Carved into memory. Rotokaha of Skirik. He's here. This must be the Council of Aizen. We look around to see the chairs are full of figures. None are empty. Indeed, one chair, decidedly larger than the rest, is still failing to contain the bulk of the large dragon which lies across it, who is looking particularly bored right now. Yes, the Treaty of Arkvale wouldn't really affect the Freelands much, that does make sense. The rest of Aizen, though, they profit from their restrictions. The safety is guaranteed and the power that they have in deciding the fate of Arkvale. No wonder the girl keeps her mouth shut. She cannot win. And we feel sorry for her. Trapped by her past, unable to make new choices, chart new paths, prove themselves... The sorrow bubbles over and we begin to withdraw from this council when suddenly we are held in place. The ground beneath our feet rumbles gently. The curtains gust as if picked up by a wind in a windowless room and the torches lit and the sconces burn fiercely and threaten to set fire to the paintings hanging above. Everyone feels the changes and turn as one to the door as it opens revealing three figures who stride into the room. Entering the space between the round tables, they sit on the chairs labelled the deep, the over, and the under. The dark purple-skinned figure with sharp features, pointed ears, and a robe that glows in the torchlight as if lit from within speaks first. We, the leaders of the unknown, would come to request an audience with the Council of Aizen. The winged figure 
and white and blue fluttering robes, and a silvered great bow upon its back, opens its beak-like mouth and screeches, We bring news of the land beneath, above, and all around Eisen. Grim news of death and destruction, a loss of connection to the elements themselves. And with a shimmer of blue and green, the blue-skinned creature spun her golden trident, moving fluidly as if underwater, her fins rippling in the space, and as it strikes the ground, a ring swells out, and a melodic voice speaks, despite her lips never moving. Most of all, revered council, we come to ask for your help. Much is wrong with Aizen, and it affects us all if it cannot be stopped. The council are silent and shocked until a discordant voice of harsh notes rings out in reply. We turn to see the dragon speaking. I did try and tell them, tell all of them. Only Roto has any sense. Worrying about his farms, at least. The rest of them. I don't even think they feel it. Well, I can't keep telling them that nothing's wrong when something clearly is. The last council meeting was ridiculous. I didn't tell them anything. I'm going to get voted out. And it's not just me now. See? Something is rotten. Something is broken. Dying. And he pleads with the council as he stares around. They throw looks at each other, avoiding his sight. Some looks are unsure. Some annoyed. Until the elf dressed in leafy green finery with a stoic look upon his face stands from the Balintia chair and gestures please leaders of the unknown world tell us your stories and we will see if we can help brown wide eyes drew our attention to the young woman in the pink ridiculous dress For the first time in this meeting, she seems interested. Face flushed, leaning forward, trying to hear more than every word, enraptured with the scene. We find ourselves floating up, Arkvail hovering, those words so heavy above her shoulders. We wish we knew what her fate would be, but it seems we're moving once more. Lifting through the ceiling, we find ourselves in the salty water of the Sea of Magus. It feels heavy and thick and wrong. Something brushes up against us and a headless body of a fish. Startled, we try and turn away and we look deep into a dark depth, feeling something endless look back at us. We try and swim away, swim upwards. We move faster, too fast now, as we speed upwards, breaking the surface and soaring into the sky. 
Ah, finally. A peaceful flight through the crowds. But we look down and are once again filled with dread as the water beneath turns from blue to black, swallowed into nothing. The winds pick up brings us the sound of a city screaming in fear. They're falling. We're falling, tearing at the air to save us, but we're plummeting towards the ground. And right as we brace for impact, the ground opens up a gaping maw and swallows us whole, the last of the sky removed from sight. As we shiver in the cold and in the dark, we see a small flame flickering at our feet. Panicked, we move towards it to protect it. But every way we move our hands to break the wind that makes it dance and flutter, we make it worse. Exhaling in fear and frustration, our very breath causes the last flame to flicker and die. And in the pitch black, we hear our heart beating loudly and our ears slow beating. But wait, our heart is beating fast and fierce, so whose heart is that? The impossibly large booming beat is slowing. No, we think, this is wrong. This is not how it should be. Everything is wrong with Eisen. As the beat slows down, we can hear the soft sobs of pain. Oh, we did this. I'm so sorry. We can fix this, please. Please don't die. Please hold on. I don't know what we've forgotten. It's not too late. Eisen, we will save you. We will, we will, we will remember. Wow, now that was a journey. So the democratically elected council of Ison is governed by a secret smaller council of powerful creatures? Who are these strange beings and what power do they hold? The deep, the under, the over, ah, the drama! And who or what is that crying creature deep beneath Ison's crust? Jules seems to have answered some of her mysteries with more mysteries. Thanks for that, Jules. Anyway, that is it for this episode. Don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these things, or just share us with a friend. You can follow us on social media. Those are all at Fate of Ison. Uh, or become a patron, if you want, by going to patreon.com slash fateofison, where for a teeny tiny amount of money, you can support the show uh, join our exclusive Discord server and get access to some pretty awesome bonus content and rewards. And for all you players out there, grab yourself some new dice from our partners fanrolldice.com and get a sweet 10% discount off your entire order if you use the promo code FATEOFISON at the checkout. That's fanrolldice.com, 
promo code Fate of Ison, you cheeky little dice monkeys. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you next time.